0: Morning is written in the book of Matthew, chapter six, nineteen to 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks. Seated. Good morning, everybody. Uh, sorry for me limping around a little bit here, and I'm going to be sitting on the stool for most of the message. I've had some complications for, with my uh, hip replacement. But anyway, good to be with you today. Uh, today we're talking about treasures, okay? Treasures. And all of life can be summed up as a treasure hunt. Think about it. When you're young, uh, like Thursday we saw some kids looking for treasure, right? Trick or treat treasure in their candy, treasure in our toys. As we go through school, we, we treasure good grades and athletic ability. And uh, we, after we graduate, we, we look for the treasure of the perfect college or university. And then later on in life, many of us were looking for the treasure of the right spouse for us to marry. And the treasures can, treasure hunt continues. We look for the, the right houses and the right cars. And we save for the right retirement. And we go on the, the treasure of, of vacations. And it goes on and on. All of life could be called a treasure hunt. Well, Jesus today in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 talks about treasure. First of all, he says where we should not store up treasures. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures in earth, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, why should you not store up treasures on earth? Is it because they're no good? No. It's because treasures here on earth just don't last. Okay, moth, rust, destroy, thieves can steal it, so forth. I ran across a, a passage in Proverbs that uh, really was hilarious for me this week. It says, cast but a glance at riches. That's the treasures of this world. And, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And so that new carpeting that I just bought, you know, it just, just could sprout wings and just flies off, right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not going to last, and we know it, right? Uh, John D. Rockefeller was at one time the wealthiest man in in all the world. And after he died, uh, someone asked his accountant. He says, how much money did did Mr. Rockefeller leave? And the answer is classic. He said, well, he left all of it. As Christians, we have some inside knowledge to know that When the Lord comes again, if we're living then, if Jesus returns, or if we pass away, when that happens, how much of our earthly treasures are we going to be able to take with us? How much? That's it. Zero. Nothing. Nada. Okay. Uh, And yet so many people today spend their whole lives accumulating and wishing and working for and storing up more and more treasures on this earth. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why people are so afraid of leaving this world, so afraid of dying because we focused our lives so much on storing up treasures on earth that will never last. Years ago, a pastor was asked by a plantation owner to tour his plantation. And so on a horseback, they, they spent the entire day going around this vast estate. and They didn't even see half of it. Well, at dinner that night, the plantation owner who was so proud of what he had amassed, his fortune, and he said to the pastor, says, well, pastor, what do you think? The pastor looked at him and said, I think you're going to have a hard time leaving all this behind. And it's true. But you know, Jesus doesn't only tell us where not to put our treasure. He tells us where to put our treasure. He says, instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, it's not against, not that Jesus is against storing up treasures. In fact, he commands it. He says, you store up treasures. But it's where we store them that is important. And here Jesus adds a remarkable uh, corollary that has been called the treasure principle. And that is that anything that we try to hang on to here on this earth, in the end... It'll be lost. But anything that we put into God's hands for His eternal purposes will also be ours for eternity. Let me phrase it another way. While you can't take your treasures with you, you can send your treasures on ahead of you for eternity. Financial planners will tell especially younger people, those who are younger, Don't just have a a short-term outlook on your investments. Don't look three months or even three years. You have to look at, down the road, 30 years for your investments. Jesus says here, don't just look 30 years. He says, look for eternity. Invest your treasures in that which will last forever And when we invest in God's kingdom purposes for eternity, we ask, well, what is the valuable treasure that will last forever? And folks, you're looking at them. It's people. It's people like you and me. It's the only of God's creation that have an eternal soul. And when people are connected to Jesus Christ, who died and rose for them for eternity, We know what happens to our souls. We know what happens to us, that we will be with the Lord in heaven for eternity. And so think about that. We are sending our resources on ahead of us for God's everlasting purposes. As a result of your generosity, of your time, of your abilities, your talents, and your financial treasures... When you, those are given into God's hands for His eternal purposes, they last not just today, but forever. Here in our ministry, that means sharing Christ. He is the treasure, the pearl of great price. Jesus is the one that we adore in our worship. He's the one that makes the eternal difference for us, and so we share Him with all the world. And our ministry here is to reach out with that good news of Jesus to care for those whom He has entrusted to us, and to build them up, not tear them down, but build them up with encouragement in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And when we are doing that, wonderful things are happening. And as a result of your eternal investments in this ministry, hundreds and even thousands of people are being touched for eternity. I just want to go through just a few things that are happening here in our ministry as a result of your treasures. It means that we pray for the unborn, and we celebrate their birth. And then we, we see those little ones become the Lord's in holy baptism. What a celebration that is when that happens here. Our treasures provide faith formation for children. You know, we have Sunday school starting at two years old with their parents, all the way on, on up through grade school, through our vacation Bible school, and our fine arts, and, 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 and our Sunday school. It means that uh, we have a meaningful confirmation program and that then they go into the high school years and then in the young adult years and all the way through, Jesus is being shared. It means that we see the Lord bless us with spiritual growth through all of our meaningful worship services, the quality of our, of our band, uh, the quality of our traditional worship whereby we hear God's word and receive his sacrament and respond in praising and, and singing to him. It means offering Bible studies and small groups. And I hope that many of you have enjoyed the, the devotions that have been sent to you, uh, that, that have been written by lay people and staff here during our committed series. Friends, it means celebrating marriage as God defines it and as He planned for us and the families that are built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and His love. You see, our treasures in heaven for eternity Move us to care for others right now who are ill, who are lonely, who are homebound. We are demonstrating the love of Christ to those who, who grieve the loss of loved ones or who are experiencing or have gone through a divorce. It means walking with people who have cancer and assuring them of God's provision and His peace. It means providing safe and warm place in the city at our downtown campus for women and children who have no other place to go. It means taking the good news of Jesus to faraway places like Central America where eyeglasses are distributed so that people can actually see and that playgrounds are built at their school, that vacation Bible school that Jesus has shared with them. And yes, it means that when life comes to an end, that we remember and we celebrate the faith and the life of believers. On this All Saints Day, we celebrate all those who have gone before us in the faith to know that one day we're going to join Him too. One day, uh, probably this last year, I was speaking to one of our disciples who was pa- about to pass away. She had cancer and it had ravished her body. And she looked at me and she says, you know, Pastor, we've done a great thing at Cornerstone. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, it's just been amazing to see how God has blessed the growth of our ministry at our church. And I said, yeah, it is. And she says, you know, it's been wonderful. I've been part of that. And it's going to be great. In a few days, I'm going to see Jesus face to face. And what a day that's going to be when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And so as God's people, we have an eternal focus for our treasures. It's not just in getting more and more for me. And when you give your treasures for God's eternal purposes, Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. You know, we tend to get that turned around. We say where our passion is, where our heart is, our treasures will follow. Well, that's not what Jesus says. He says, where you put your treasures right now today is where your heart's going to be too. Sometimes... I hear people say, well, pastor, I sure wish I had more of a passion, more of a heart for outreach or, or for teaching Sunday school or for this or for that. Well, Jesus has the answer right here. He says, why don't you invest your treasures in those things and then your heart will follow? And you know, our treasures are not just our money. Our treasures are our words, the way that we encourage and build up people and compliment them our treasures are our prayers. Our treasures are the influence that we have in the lives around us. Our treasure, our our treasures are the time that we have and and our attention. And the bottom line says, says Jesus, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be also. And you watch what happens and you're amazed because when you treasure eternal things, your heart, your passion, and your joy will follow. Well, today, I've got a, an illustration for you, and you can see I brought in a ladder. And you say, well, what's a ladder? A ladder is a means for you to climb higher, isn't it? It's a means for you to, whether it's climbing, changing a light bulb, or washing a window, or whatever. And uh, I, I originally had thoughts about actually climbing this ladder, but then my doctor said, anyone over 60 shouldn't be on a ladder anyway, okay? And then this happens, so I'm not going to be on, I'm going to point out the ladder. In fact, I've got a crutch, I've got a pointer here that's going to be able to do that. But let me tell you, before you step on this ladder of generosity, something has to happen. What is it to answer the question, whose is it that you have, that what you have? When you look at your treasures, why do you have all those treasures? Is it because of you, or are they all a gift from God? I like what, uh, what uh, James says in James chapter 1. He says, whatever is good and perfect, every good and perfect comes from God the Father. In Psalms 24 verse 1, it says, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What you have has been given to you. Yeah, you've worked for it, and I know you've been educated You got good jobs, all those kind of things. But finally, all the blessings that you have have been given to you. What you have is not your own. This uh, was brought forth to me pretty clearly a a couple months ago when our granddaughter turned four. And we bought her a toy. And on the side of the box, it had those dreaded words, some assembly required. Okay? And uh, it took me, I'm not kidding you, quite a while, a couple hours to put this all together to figure out how the batteries went on, and I even wrapped it. And I gave it to her, and it was a couple hours later. Oh, she, it, was, it was all worth it because she was so excited. She was squealing and jumping and running around with this toy. And then a couple hours later, I says, Elizabeth, can I see that? Can I hold that toy? And she looked at me and said, no, Grandpa, it's mine. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, I paid for that toy. I put it together I even wrapped it and yet she won't even let me hold it how often is that true when it comes to our resources the things that God gives to us and we hold on to them for dear life and say it's mine and yet God would have us to open our hands and so that's why we're going to talk about the steps of generosity on this ladder the first rung I'm just calling uh, it uh, it's a one-time gift. It's, when you understand what God has done for you, you want to give back. And we have people in our ministry that will open up their, their treasures to the Lord with a one-time gift. And for those who have done that, that's a great start. It's a good way of knowing that God takes your gift and He connects people eternally with His grace. But when you're on the first rung of the ladder, it's easy to jump off, Right? But that's not where God would have you to go. He would have you step up to the next rung in the generosity ladder. And we would say that is occasional giving, occasional gifts. Uh, It makes sense that when you have money left over after you pay your bills, after you buy your Christmas presents, after you pay for your next vacation, after you fund your retirement, you might have some left over. And you, you might give it to the Lord and to His eternal purposes. Or you might be able to say, wow, I really like the fact that they're helping homeless people. Our ministry is down in the city. So I'm going I'm to give to that, to a cause. And this is that second rung of generosity, okay? You're giving occasional gifts. And again, I say, thank you, praise God. But that's not where the Lord would have you stop. This third rung, okay, as we move up the ladder could be called intentional first fruits giving. It means that you trust God enough in your life that you want to honor him first above everything else. God, you are first in my life. And so the first portion of my income is going to go to you. And I'm going to trust you and obey you that as I give this away, I know that you're going to bless me. That's the promise that God says in his word. Uh, Sometimes that is very difficult because fear says, I can't give away like that. I can't give, say, a tithe. That's the biblical goal. That's 10% of what you make because I'm afraid that I'm going to lose that money, that somehow I'm going to miss out on something if I tithe. Satan uses fear to stop people from getting onto this third level of giving. Andy Stanley, in his book Fields of Gold, says, Fear has always been one of the principal enemies of a growing faith. It has a way of clouding our thinking and obscuring our fears. You may know precisely how God would like you to handle your treasures, your finances, but fear has the potential to freeze you in your tracks or send you down another track. I call it the scarcity mentality. That if I give away the top portion of my income, that somehow I'm not going to have enough. That's a scarcity mentality when God says, trust me. See if I will not throw open the windows of blessing in your life. Many of us through the years have have struggled with this. And I just want to show you a video of a relatively new couple in our ministry who decided to step up to this third level of giving. Let's watch it.
0: Early on when Nicole and I were first together, before, before we even got married, uh, when we attended church, we didn't give very much uh, at the time, five or $10 uh, at the most. Uh, church was new to me, I didn't grow up in a church family. Uh, so as I, as I developed my faith in, in God and, and grew in Christ, I started to feel like I needed to give more and do more. and. I talked to Nicole as I was going to change my career. It was a big, it was a big uh, deal in our life about the fact that I'm going to go into a new career that I'm 100% commission in fees. I, I don't, I have no idea what I'm going to make, but if I trust in God, He will provide. And the the more I earn, the more I can give back to God and, and His kingdom. So, and Nicole wasn't very excited about it because we had a baby at home and and uh, Nicole wasn't working, but. Even so, she, she uh, uh, backed me up and, and said, let's see what, what happens and we did and, it, and it's all worked out. I'm not gonna say it was easy because we struggled and it was tough and we had to do things financially to, to make it work, but uh, ever since that day, back in September of 2000, 19 years ago, we have faithfully given the tithe and we've been generously blessed uh, because of that. And since we moved here two years ago, Uh, I haven't been as active in uh, CLC. We just became disciples uh, this past summer. I I would like to get involved uh, in the near future on committees or boards that have to do with finance or operations.
2: Obviously, being a preschool teacher, I'm here four out of five days a week working with the kids, and that gives me an excellent opportunity to meet families and introduce them to Jesus and uh, help reach out to them and sometimes see some of them here on sunday or saturday night and i think that's where my place is primarily is working with the kids
0: we and our family have been greatly blessed through our tithing and i would encourage every disciple of cornerstone lutheran to consider tithing and see if god will indeed fill your barn like he has ours
2: bob was definitely more into the idea than I was. I had a harder time letting go and giving up that trust and having that faith. But once you did learn to let go and give it up, we definitely were blessed abundantly by doing it. So when we first joined CLC, we were very comfortable here. It reminded us a lot of the church that we had come from in Columbus, Indiana. And I very quickly got a job here working as a preschool teacher. So being around the church and seeing all the good things that they're doing makes you want to continue giving and being a part of it.
1: When you decide to give at this third level of generosity, when you say, Lord, I want you to take the first percentage, the first part of my income, uh, it's an act of faith. And there's not many people that can start with a tithe, 10%, but we just encourage you to start somewhere. Start at 5% and then try to grow in the grace of giving uh, 1% a year. But when you honor God with the first portion of your income, look what it says happens. Look at Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. That's your treasures, okay? With the first fruits of all your crops. Well, you don't have crops, most of you, but you have income. It says, then your barns, you don't have barns either, but you've got homes, will be filled to overflowing and your wine vats will brim over with new wine. Giving at this level, this third level, means that you're not just giving to a church budget. It means that you're giving so that God can connect people eternally with His grace. And so that one day, you're going to reconnect with people that you didn't even know because of your kingdom investment in eternity in the kingdom of God. Well, we praise God for those of you who are on that third rung, but again, there's a top rung, okay? And we call that the courageous or sacrificial giving rung. Uh, Some of you have climbed to this level. It was when uh, we not only give a top portion of our income, but there's times when we give over and above that sacrificially. It was five years ago now that we asked many of you to give a sacrificial or a courageous gift so that we could start a new church in Fishers, a new campus And it's been three years now that that campus has been open, and it's been such a blessing. But it wouldn't have happened without the sacrificial and courageous gifts of His people. We've raised almost $8 million as a result. And so we praise God for those of you who have stepped up to the courageous model of giving, because you understand that when you give, you're not just giving to something, you're giving from the blessings that God has first given to you for His eternal purposes. Uh, disciples at this level, excel in their generosity, it reflects the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speaking, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love, he says, I also want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. And so courageous courageous giving at at this level says and discusses it in your family, says, you know, we gave X amount last year. What, what would happen if we stepped out in faith and increased that for this coming year? And, it, and, and when you do that, you don't do it under compulsion. You do it as a joyful, thankful response. And you find joy in your heart to be able to give towards God's eternal purposes. Well, on this All Saints Weekend, we are encouraging you to examine where you are. Where are you on this ladder of generosity? And if uh, you're You understand that what you have doesn't belong to you that it's a gift from God you're ready to take the first step and many of you have that you give a gift to the Lord knowing that he's going to use it for his purposes and then you step up and it becomes more regular in your giving and you understand that you're supporting ministries of the church that would would never be supported without gifts like yours but then that's not where you stop you go to the third level that level of first fruits giving where you honor God with the first portion of your income and you trust him that he's going to take care of you, that you don't have to be afraid and that he's going to bless you, that he's going to fill your barn that he's going to make your wine vats brim over with new wine. Perhaps God is calling you then to this top rung, the courageous or sacrificial rung. Uh, and I have to tell you that when you're on, on the top, the view is great. Okay. You can see more. You can see how God takes your gifts and uses them eternally for His purpose. If you would, I'd like for you to take out the commitment card. This is the last of the cards. Last week we're going to be doing this. And this one is the generosity card. And you'll notice that we're not asking you to commit to a dollar amount, but to prayerfully consider to grow in this grace of giving of your treasures. That you examine what God gave to you last year and you seek the Lord's direction for climbing higher on the generosity ladder. No one will be tabulating or calculating these percentages uh, yet by doing so, it's an act of commitment. It's an act of trust. It's an act of faith whereby you are honoring God and you can fill that out and fold it over and put it in the offering plate or you can put it in the box that's out in the lobby area Or you can take it home and talk about it and pray about it. But here's the truth. Here's the main thing. The extent with, with which you give of your treasures is directly related to the extent with which you have experienced God's eternal grace in His Son, Jesus Christ. And when you know how much God loves you and what He's done for you, you want to give, not just so that you can have treasures, where moth and rust destroy and thieves can come in and steal that won't last. But you want to give treasures that will last forever in eternity, that connect people to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you in your generosity as we continue to climb the ladder of God's grace.